1: I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us.
0: <laughs> it's probably, like getting grade ten sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time, whether you know, there's two types of turds. You're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean, um, we're we're we are about players and players playing the plays, and not necessarily the plays.
1: Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. I'm Derek. Sitting across from me, wearing a very bright yellow hoodie is greg smith the ball for the lakers logo is gold is this a finals specific hoodie
0: it is not no okay no so i've just... not purchased any finals related gear yet i'm saving is all it my gold money. or am i no, no it's gold okay and there's like a there's a nice outline okay going around it too yeah.
1: you're you're saving um for championship
0: gear <laughs> i have just
1: made it to the finals gear
0: yeah, I had no interest in buying Western Conference Finals champions or whatever the crap that was gear. Like, I no, I'll be, I'll, I'm waiting. I feel good about our opportunity. I here. did
1: not appreciate that comment because back in 2012, I bought Western Conference Finals champions <laughs> gear. I was Thunder won, <laughs> and people made the same comment, like, just wait till they win the finals. I was like, no, no, we're not going to be back here again.
0: Oh man, come on. Lo and behold, now? <laughs> we haven't been back there <laughs> You have not. So you savor that. And that's also its really interesting though, has to take us completely off uh what the topic we wanted to get to. But I do think savoring those moments is nice and you should do that. It's just that uh, me as a Laker fan, I feel like I'm in a very There's odd so position. Many of them. Well, that oh, too, but God. I'm in a very odd position where really nothing else mattered except for winning the championship. Like and it sucks in a lot of way because even if like the Lakers were to lose this series, it, it was an amazing it would have been an amazing journey and a crazy season, but it would not it ultimately would not matter. I would catch tons of slander on Twitter, um, and the Lakers would just be getting destroyed on every show and every tweet. So it, I, I need them to win so that I can be completely obnoxious. I've been saving tweets and statements from people for months now. <laughs>
1: so <laughs> is there anybody from? on our staff whose tweet or comment you have saved.
0: Yes. (laughs) I can't wait. I just can't wait. Watch your neck, Aaron. (laughs) That's right. Watch out, Aaron. And Aaron, I tried to recruit you to be on the team (laughs) like way back when. So, hey, that's fine. Oh, man.
1: That's fine. Um, This has been... A good week. For you specifically, the Lakers blew out the heat in Game 1 of the NBA Finals. And just for people in Nebraska in general, because we got football stuff this mm-hmm. week. We got back to some sense of normalcy. Now, when like availability started on Tuesday and defensive coaches were were speaking to the media for the first time since March, some of the questions to, to kick things off were, you know, hey, what kind of protocols are you going through? When are you yeah. getting tested? Um, What's life been like? But then we got some football talk. Then we got some football talk, um, and we got to talk X's and O's with Mike Dawson, who talked about setting the edge and hitting the alley. It was great. (laughs) Um, And then Thursday, we're recording this Thursday afternoon, a couple hours after listening to new offensive coordinator, Matt Lubick, and new run game coordinator, Mm -hmm. Greg Austin, and a guy who's just tearing it up on the recruiting trail and Sean Becton mm-hmm. and perhaps revealed that maybe they're going to take a third tight end in this class. Whoever could that be? Oh, man. Is there a third tight end? in, in Maybe even in this area that I, they could take. Locally, maybe locally? Maybe? maybe. We'll see. Um, so lots of stuff to talk about this week. And like we're like I said, we're recording this on a Thursday afternoon after we talked to Lubick. You guys will be listening to this after – presumably we will have heard from scott frost Mm -hmm. um so there will be even more this week of of football conversations to be had and so um we are going to talk football stuff we are going to talk intriguing stuff that we heard this week interesting stuff that we heard this week um what what you heard that you liked um we're going to play a few sound bites because we have those again it's (laughs) great we got some practice footage in our email inbox on thursday it was great um before any of that, though, first, I just want to say, go listen to the Mind Your Own podcast this week. Aaron and Sasha talked about an important topic, representation. Go listen to it. They talked about Diedrich Mills kind of opening up and and sharing um, some, some personal battles with mental health stuff. Go listen to that. Jay Moore's got a podcast, the More To It podcast. We've got the Hail Varsity radio show that's on iTunes in podcast form. Um, do you want to tease what you have coming up?
0: I have something coming up that the first episode will come out next week.
1: You have something coming. (laughs) I do. That starts out cool. I didn't listen beyond 30 seconds, but it starts out cool.
0: (laughs) I appreciate you saying it starts out (laughs) cool at least. I'll I'll take that. Like that,
1: <laughs> you got you got the first thirty seconds in my my podcast is now the redheaded stepchild of the family. It
0: is not. You are the OG. You tell me that I'm the OG. You are the OG,
1: so, <laughs> and and we are honestly we are back in an OG setup right now. We are <laughs> we in are. the Lincoln office. We don't have producer Pat with us, which makes me sad. We don't have Sasha Durkin with us to to keep us on our, the wheels, yeah, keep us on track uh, and edit this. So we're using OG mics and an OG setup in the OG room. This just cool to talk about football. It's, right. like, it's like the last six months haven't happened. Um, subscribe to all of the Hale Varsity podcasts because right now we're like a multimedia conglomerate. We're not just a magazine anymore, not just a website anymore. We've got videos on YouTube. We've got audio for your earbuds. We've got all kinds of stuff. And now we have Huskers content for your, for us to talk about and write about and, and watch. So it's a great time to subscribe to Hale Varsity. You can get the yearbook free if you sign up for Hale Varsity right now. So go do that. And keep reading the website, subscribe to the podcast, leave us a five star rating, leave us a review. That stuff really helps right now. We appreciate all of it. Um, we also have an a, a email for this for this podcast now. I have okay. an email address for this podcast now it's tvcpod at hailvarsity.com. So I don't know, send an email to that. I don't know what you would want to send an email for. Um, to tell
0: you that you're the best journalist in Nebraska.
1: Shout out Rob from Facebook. Shout out to you. <laughs> you are the best. I saw it. Thank you. It made my day. Thank you. Rob from Facebook, as he will henceforth be known. Oh. Um, yeah, so Pod at hailvarsity.com if you want to send an email. You can do that now. It's official. We are official. Greg, this week we talked to... Defensive coordinator Eric Chenander, we talked to offensive coordinator Matt Lubick, we talked to four of Nebraska's assistant coaches, Travis Fisher, Mike Dawson with the outside linebackers, who's back after being with the, the New York football giants. We talked to... I got a little too much energy right now. We talked to...
0: That life water's hitting <laughs> me. I told you, no Aquafina.
1: No Aquafina. Aquafina, we would have gone in the other direction. Okay. But, but we got some life water, so now we got you're some fun. life now. you um, Sean Becton with the tight ends, and like I said, Greg Austin, who is the new run game corner. Mm-hmm. We also talked to four different players um what was the most interesting thing that you heard this week?
0: Man, I I think it was something that you kind of got the sense of from multiple guys and it was all of the talk about the guys being ready to play and like them being in good shape. And let me explain because there are probably people that are rolling their eyes maybe because that feels like the the dreaded hype train um that comes every off season or people say comes every off season. But I actually I think that means more coming off of this offseason than it ever would in a normal one. Um, because you don't really want to hear at all. If, if any players or coaches got out here and admitted that it took some time to get the engine revved up or for people to really work their way into game shape or anything, like or just practice shape, anything like that, that would be an alarming red flag. I think that, though, that even bigger picture, that means to me that a lot of the players – were really locked in as much as they could be during this downtime, which is great. Um, But also, again, bigger picture, <laughs> zooming out a little bit more, I, the reason why I think that is is the same reason that I feel like this team and program pushed so hard to for Big Ten football to come back, which is I think they're all very, very eager to show that they can be better than what they've been. Like, I just still continue to get that vibe from whether it's the coaching um, staff that we've talked to or the players that we've heard from, that everybody is eager to just go out there, play some games against someone. And show that they've improved because they don't want things to be the way that it has been for the last couple of years.
1: Well, You heard it from Deontay Williams on Tuesday when he was asked about just any kind of frustrations that he's had with the last calendar year for him. He's been injured. He didn't have a chance to prove himself the way he wanted to. And the season almost gets taken away from him. He was asked if he maybe looked around. And he was honest. And he said, yeah, I mean, it sucked. But now we're in the here and now. And Deontay said, I'm just happy to hit somebody and we're happy to be back mm-hmm. here. Jack Stoll said something similar when, when he was asked, "Have the seniors talked about or thought about using an additional year of eligibility that was given to them by the NCAA?" And his response was, "No, we we're not having that conversation until after the season. Right. We're not having that conversation until January or or December." That's that's big. That's yeah. the that's the mindset that you want from your guys, as opposed Nebraska hasn't had a problem with a guy opting out. And I shouldn't say problem because they're not problems. Nebraska hasn't had a guy opt out. They haven't had it, at least not publicly, that we've yeah, been told. We'll they haven't it. had anybody that has, has dipped their toe in and out of the water. Rashad Bateman opted out at Minnesota. They had some opt-outs. Micah Parsons is still opted out yeah. from Penn State, even though they are going to have a season. Um, Nebraska hasn't had, hasn't, hasn't had to handle that. And would that suggest that every single guy here right now that's here is in mm-hmm. the boat ready to go fired up for a season?
0: It would, it would suggest that because I think that there's a – I just feel like there is a vibe about they want to stick together um, and play better to represent themselves, to represent their school, and their coach. And I think – I don't know. I've, I've said this somewhere. I don't remember now where I do think that it becomes a little bit of an issue um, or a little bit of a thought where now – Scott Frost has been here a few years, and this is fully, for all intents, this is his team, right? It's his program, and he it's in his image that now he and his players are closer right and so because of that they're not going to
1: 80% of the roster yeah and
0: so like yeah just by just like recruits yeah but even beyond that I feel like the guys that are holdovers from previous regime um, are guys that Frost and his staff maybe would have recruited anyway and so I think that when you're at that point you also get to to the point which is also good that those guys don't want to let their coach down it's not a hey we didn't come here for this guy so do we really need to buy in which sounds like it should Happen, but it does. Um, and so I think that's also playing a role into this here because you they don't want to be um, the group because we have what juniors on the team that have never been to a bowl game, yes. And so Do you, you have
1: seniors on the team who've never been to a bowl
0: game. Has Brendan Hymus been to a bowl game?
1: Still, he's been to one, has he not?
0: Is still a red shirt, yes. Year? But Brendan Hymus is a true. Senior, for example. Right. And he is not. No, this would be his fourth year. And he has not because the last year of Riley, they didn't go to one the first year of Frost, the second year of Frost, which is a junior year. Yeah, he should be sorry. I'm talking this out out loud. You don't want to go your you can't go your entire time at Nebraska without going to a bowl game. So I think that that also, that kind of legacy piece and just like kind of writing the ship will, is also starting to rear its head, I think, in a good way. And I think that it trickles all the way down to the work that the guys have been doing in the offseason.
1: I want to I want to um, play audio from Matt Lubick. I think we're in a really good place. Uh, cause I've seen it just from an improvement standpoint. Our guys have taken advantage of the time. They threw a lot on their own when they could. Um I think the guys are, have done a lot of stuff with this pandemic off the field and bonded in that way, and uh, I think we're, we're on the same page. We've installed our offense. Um, now we're reinstalling our offense. So I, I feel we're in a good place. You know, I know we missed spring ball like a lot of other college football teams did, but the, the pandemic, I mean, our, our guys handled it great, you know, with, with extra opportunity to do things on their own. Okay, so I, I asked him, you're 20 days away from a season. Mm-hmm. In terms of chemistry, familiarity with um, between quarterbacks and wide receivers, where are you at in terms of or in relation to where you would normally like to be? And part of part of that answer, like you just heard, was him talking about guys putting in work in the offseason and doing it on their own, and we had heard that earlier. I think it was Chenander that said leadership is a contact sport. Mm-hmm. Um, guys have talked about, I think Frost did on Sports Nightly, guys have talked about... They had this leadership group on the team that really took it upon themselves this summer when the coaches couldn't organize anything to say, hey, we still want to play football. We're going to fight for football. So we're going to do what we need to do to stay in football shape and stay ready to go if and when football is given back to us. Um, whereas, you know, it, it's been reported that maybe other teams or, or at least rumored that other teams throughout the Big Ten didn't didn't do the same. Um, by all accounts, Nebraska prepared like it wanted a season like it was going to have a season like it wanted to make a statement out of its season mm-hmm. which is kind of the point that you were making like these guys want to they want to they want to prove something
0: yeah absolutely and, and that's the thing too is <clears throat> excuse me another that's another good sign though for kind of the the laying of the foundation for the culture that frost has talked so much about over these last few years of him being here um that's a great sign for that, right? That if, if in fact, and, and I guess it's not even, we know that the players organized things on their own, they worked out, they did what they needed to do within reason of, of the rules that they had in front of them. Would I wonder if you asked Frost if he thought that that would have happened like year one in this situation if he thinks that that, if this is to the same level, you probably would have had some of it, but would it have happened to the same level? I think that is a testament to the different culture and improving culture that they have here, which is exactly what they want. Because how, what do they always talk about? They being the, the coaching staff um, to a man, all of them up and down that coaching staff talk about getting guys here that love the game of football. Obviously you have some of that, right? Or <laughs> a lot of that based on all the things that you hear about how much they've worked during the off season.
1: Worried at all about Matt Lubick saying that Omar Manning has battled some nagging injuries? Quote, unquote, nagging injuries? Which has slowed him down? Is that that worrisome at all when we talk about the Uh, offense, uh, we talk about them taking a step. Omar Manning is a a big, big piece of that.
0: A little bit, yeah, because it depends on what those nagging injuries are. He did not say, um, but when you Think nagging injuries, Nick, those ones that don't really go away um, that quickly, like your hamstrings, calves, the groins, those are groins and hamstrings, really. Um, so hopefully it's none of that and he can be right, especially as they start to turn towards full contact and really getting prepared for the season, because you're going to need that guy to be everything you hoped he would be um, for the offense to take a step forward. So yeah, that's a little bit concerning. And it's definitely something that's going to be a storyline going forward, even though I'll be curious on how it then gets handled from the head. Guy. uh, because we know how much Frost does not like to talk about injury. So we'll we'll see how that goes.
1: Matt Lubick also said, quote, I think they're a strength of our team, end quote, when talking about the offensive line. What did you think of that?
0: It should be. Like that is, that to me, I think to me, and we started off talking about kind of the wide receiver piece of it, but to me the offensive line and how far they've come, and where they start the season off i think is going to determine what that record looks like after the first three or four games because if they if the offensive line comes out playing the way that we think they can play and the way that they should probably play based on what they have coming back and the level of talent that they have in that top group um then it really is going to open up things in offense, especially the running game, um, in which you you know you have a really good running back in D.J. Mills. You should then be able to open up plenty of space for him. You should be able to protect Adrian Martinez um, to allow him to find his receivers. Like it, it, that's going. That to me is the most intriguing piece of the the early part of the season uh, on the offensive side of the ball.
1: Did it surprise you at all when Greg Austin just kind of like? rolled through the offensive line and (laughs) essentially gave us the three deep for what they're working with right now. Let me pull this up. Um, So at left tackle, it's, it's Hymas, it's Mm Brandon Hymas. That's, that's what you expect behind him, a trio of Turner Corcoran, Christian Gaylord and Brant Banks, Christian Gaylord and Brant Banks are both uh, working at, at right tackle and left tackle. Turner Corcoran is a guy that, that Austin said has emerged. We'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit at left guard, Bo Wilson, then Brock Bando, then Nori Nuelli. I think it's Nuelli. Yes, Nuelli. At center, Cameron Juergens with Will Farniok behind him, and he said Trent Hickson is working a little bit at center. So you've got Trent Hickson working at all three of the interior spots on the line. At right guard, it's Matt Farniok, it's Ethan Piper, Trent Hickson, and Matt Sichterman behind him. At right tackle, it's Bryce Benhart with then Banks and Christian Gaylord. Working by that, that's some depth. Mm-hmm. That's some depth. Were you surprised at all to hear Greg Austin spell it out the way he did? He, I mean, he, he basically gave us the two deep or the depth chart at, and he was willing to talk about the depth chart, which is great.
0: <laughs> uh, yes, I'm always surprised when football coaches go into and go in detail into their depth chart. Um, and without a lot of qualifiers and all of this, like he really just laid it out there. So I thought that was cool. I will take that any day of the week. Um, but it is some depth. I'm with you. I, I agree. And I think that this is the most depth that they've had on the offensive line, um, since, this, certainly since this staff has been here, um, and really in, in some time, which is great. And I think is, is going to be needed moving forward for them to be the type of offense that they want to be in this conference. I think that we talked so much about the offense as a whole and, you know, what they wanted to do within the Big Ten and how they could try to bring a little bit different style um, and bring in that up-tempo spread that they run um, from the different places that they've been. But I still think uh, at the end of all of that, to be able to make that work in this conference, you're going to need a really good offensive line that can hold up against because you're going to play NFL level defensive lineman almost all the time in this conference. Like, it just happens across the board all the time. Or you're playing against really, really well-coached teams. Like, are you thinking about um, even, even like, an Illinois with Levy Smith and what they do on defense? Like, they're just always going to be well-coached. Northwestern is kind of like that. The teams that might not have the top-end talent, um, like, say, in Ohio State or Penn State or even Iowa, what they do with putting linemen in the league, like, you're just going to always need that. So that it's good that they're moving towards having a – what would be closer to a dominant offensive line. You can't call them that yet because we haven't seen them, but they they are moving closer to you being able to see that at some point.
1: Can I can I switch gears for a second because there is a big discussion about like young guys that we think might play or should play based on NCAA mm-hmm. eligibility, but before we get there, I want to um, sidebar into something else that was not something that we heard from coordinators or coaches this okay. week. It was something um I was team physician Confirmed to Hawkeye Report, Uh, Mitch Sherman from The Athletic shared this, that the Big Ten is capping daily antigen tests at 170 per team. And, and this was the key part, programs cannot purchase extra tests. The 170 includes all personnel, including managers and trainers who come in contact with players. So now that we know that the number for testing is 170, the 5% rate, in anything, If you're at 5% and anything above that, that lands you in the red zone mm-hmm. based off of the Big Ten's testing protocols, measures, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Um, that's eight and a half people, eight and a half positives. So basically if you have, I don't know if they're going to go eight or nine, but eight or nine positives, which is tough, uh-huh. first of all. You can talk about that, but that's not the direction that I want to go. I would like to talk about why it's being capped and i don't know the answer to this question but i think it's incredibly stupid that the big 10 is doing this is capping it if if they wanted to if they if, if they were maybe feeling guilty or bad about taking tests from the public and they wanted to cap it at a certain at a certain number um i i can understand that from just like a social conscience standpoint yeah. if they're capping it because they only have a set supply because they maybe didn't want to take some from the government that's a separate issue. If it's a pride thing, that's a separate issue. I this this is going to make life interesting for Nebraska because they have 154 players listed on the roster on Huskers.com, and if you're talking about guys that have to be tested daily, adults in the room that have to be tested daily that have that 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 come into contact on a daily basis with players, you're talking about Frost. You're talking about your tennis assistant coaches. They have nine. Um, analysts, quality control guys, and graduate assistants mm. in total nine. Then you're talking about Zach Duval would have to get tested, right? Yeah, they you have, have to. <laughs> they have three assistant strength coaches assigned to football, one of them being Andrew Strope. Yeah, I, I I would assume if if only one, it would be him, but. I mean maybe 3 all 3 because you can't ask Duval to handle everything on his own. Oh right and right. we
0: already know that his he his load is heavy when it comes to what he's having there's, to do.
1: there's um three trainers assigned to football including the head trainer there's a number of managers I mean I don't they don't list the the team managers the equipment managers on their website with the exception of J Terry who's the head of equipment yeah. management. Um, but the nebraska manager's twitter account the header image for that twitter account has 19 people in the photo Mm. so i mean i I think we can assume that they have double digit people there that would be coming into contact daily with players somebody like jared lambert somebody like dave ellis does ron Mm. brown count there as director of player personnel or director of player development whatever his title is does sean Dillon count there
0: uh, your entire recruiting department. <laughs> you're, I
1: mean, very, very quickly, you're approaching anywhere between 30, 40, upwards of 50 adults that would need to get tested. Your
0: media team that's shooting that practice footage, there's someone doing that, right? But do they have daily contact if they're off to the side? I don't know. But this would, would you want to take that? Like, you have to make decisions is what you – that you probably shouldn't have if to If they're make. wearing
1: masks and they're not – Touching or handing stuff to like this is part of the question that I have, and I've and, and I tried to ask to talk to Ronnie Green, um, mm. and Nebraska understandably directed things back to the Big Ten Conference, and the Big Ten Conference is not really being forthcoming with. Yeah, information. they're not really helping. Surprise, surprise. Here on this. No. <laughs> um, so like, there's there's a question as to who counts there, how you're going to get people in there, if you're going to be able to, like, change on a weekly basis, who counts in your 170 and who doesn't oh, count man. in your 170. Maybe you can finagle things that way. But regardless, like, Nebraska's not going to be able to take 154 people. There are going to be players on the roster right now that are not going to be able to play this season because they just can't get tested.
0: Yeah. you're Right? In under, yes. If That's you, a problem. Under this rule, uh, under the 170 rule – I feel like the easiest way for them to be able to get the majority or all of the people that you just laid out that are like support staff and coaches um, to be tested is for you to reduce the number that 154, which would fundamentally change what Nebraska does, though. Yeah. Like it really does. Like yeah. that's, remember, in the, I, I want to say it was the very first. First Scott Frost press conference he talked about growing the roster size like this comes up like this is a thing here um, that is and I don't know if I would assume that you know at Purdue this is not a conversation um, there but or many other places in the league but it definitely is at Nebraska like it it really is and I I assume that when that number came down to Nebraska's um, leadership that they were not thrilled with that just based on the amount, just because of the amount of players that they have.
1: I don't understand. And and I think somebody said, like, there's a maybe here. There's a maybe component to it. Maybe it's would potentially be revisited or something like that. I mean, everything with the Big Ten is can, well, yeah. can it's, potentially it's, be yes. revisited. Even um, if you say it's not. <laughs> yeah, that we, we've come to, to know that as a fact. Um, but, like, not allowing teams to purchase their own tests separately so that they could test everybody. I mean, most of the responses that I've seen is, H- how are you caring about safety in that standpoint if you're capping the number of people that can get tested? It It's just, it seems strange to me because, I mean, ju- and, and I don't know if other people are going to have this this same kind of problem just because, like you said, Nebraska has a bigger roster than probably most mm-hmm. other um Programs in the Big Ten, but like the 30 to 40 number is like really, really conservative in terms of which
0: adults. Yeah, get to have it's, daily it's contact d- definitely going to be more than. Like, I didn't include um, anybody from academics. Do those people count? Um, yeah. What about the people? So, wouldn't there, ha- there have to be people at the trading table, right? Right. Who do does those that? So, count? those people, like, what is.
1: What is the universe? Or do they not fall under team personnel or anything like that. I think I there's, there's going to need to be some clarity on who counts and who has to get tested. And I, I'm sure Nebraska is seeking that clarity. We might yes. not get it, but I'm sure <laughs> Nebraska is seeking that clarity because I'm sure they're not happy about this.
0: No, because it, it it's just going to change what they do. And it's not – in. I was thinking too, though, it's not – the roster size is one thing. But I would wonder if Nebraska is on the higher end of those additional people as well. Because in general big programs like Nebraska have more support staff. It's one of those things well, that I mean, yeah, recently has more had, have, yeah, more well that too, but just like they, they are more willing to carry more of those support staff people um, to be able to do different jobs. So like when you look step outside of the big 10, you look at Alabama, how they have a lot more GAs and analysts and all of that stuff. Their recruiting department is bigger than your average school. Um, Ohio state should probably be in that same boat. So like you're going to just have more people to test. But it is fascinating to me, yet confusing, as to how you would tell your teams that essentially, if we're reading this correctly, that you've got to make a decision on whether or not to test your players or test your recruiting department, for example. And if you can't test, and if you're making them not test the recruiting department, do they essentially then have to just work remotely? Like they cannot come into the facility because they may come in contact with a player and they haven't been getting tested, like what would be like? It's just there's a lot there. Like, and I, I do wish that the for many reasons that the Big Ten would be a little bit more forthcoming on that, so that we can figure out what the actual deal is there.
1: And the issue there is they 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 don't necessarily have to be publicly forthcoming. They absolutely have to be forthcoming with the fourteen yes, teams in the Big absolutely. Ten. absolutely. And I think we can say right now that it's not a given that they're going to do that. Because Eric Shenander on Tuesday could not definitively say, we're going to have the pads on on Wednesday. He still couched it with a little bit of skepticism that, oh, well, it might not happen. Frost last week still wasn't quite sure Mm -hmm. if they were going to have the pads on this week. That is a major problem. That is a huge problem that... It's one thing to not inform the public or the media about what you're doing, how you're operating. It's an entirely different thing to leave the teams in the dark when you're thirty days away from your season yeah. they just they have to know and so I would assume that Nebraska's beating down somebody's door trying to figure out who can get tested because daily testing started uh Wednesday, which is when they were able to put the
0: pads on yeah so now we should have some idea. About this, I wonder if Frost will be asked about this tomorrow. He should. It's just so we'll much see. like it's just another one of those things that I wish we had better clarity on on the front end so we didn't have to ask him. But yeah, we're, we're gonna have to ask him about that. We'll see.
1: Um, okay, moving back to football o- on Turner Corcoran, Greg Austin had said that he emerged. Let me pull up this quote from him uh, Turner Corcoran is emerged as a young. Uh, valuable player right now uh, especially considering this year you know in the NCAA's eyes does not count so you don't have to worry about a red shirt versus non-red shirt year for him that is a a key statement that provides some insight into the way that they're going to view young guys and and I had kind of I guess I don't remember hearing I I don't remember hearing this in the like live when we were on the zoom call Mm. partially because like internet here which was struggle bussing real hard and it was hard to completely make out most of the time um but like i i had floated in our slack channel like i wonder if maybe the ncaa freezing eligibility makes them kind of revisit any potential redshirting plans that they had for some of these young guys that is obviously the case with turner who's now working at left tackle whereas maybe if Under normal circumstances, he probably would have redshirted this year, and it would have been like Brant Banks as your backup left tackle and Christian Gaylord as your backup right tackle. If Turner Corcoran can push for snaps as a backup, push for some in-season practice reps with the ones, it's really good for his development. Is there anybody else that should be on the radar that could kind of be in that same kind of role where maybe they might not have played this year? Under normal circumstances, but because eligibility is frozen, now we might get like could we see the polar bear
0: this year that I mean I think that that's I laugh because I feel like that's the first name that people went to because people are so eager to see him out there because it feels like every time you see a video from Zach Duval, it's of Nash doing some sort of ridiculous amount of weight squatting right He looks big to me. Does he look physically ready to you
1: as somebody who's who's seen him more and watched him more yes.
0: Yeah, he looks physically ready to go out there and play. And the thing the funny thing is I'm kind of half joking about the strength aspect of it, but that ends up being the thing, right? Is that if he goes out there he can go out there and hold his own against Big Ten linemen, then he can play. Then why can't why couldn't he get out there? Especially in a situation where you don't have to deal with the red shirt and you're not worried about that at all. It's basically a free year for him to really get game tape, speed up his development and learn better what it is that he needs to learn right uh, like actually out there on the field and in that case he doesn't Nash would not have to be like a starter or even the, 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 the a primary backup at nose tackle but just a guy that can go in there and give your nose tackles a spell for a few plays right like
1: and you don't have to worry about oh he's already played two weeks right disappear. we don't have to go, go through
0: that yeah we're not having to do this whole thing where they're the coaches are being asked about that each week and it kind of feels weird that like that they're trying to track all of that like you don't have to worry about all of that which would be nice.
1: Who's another guy that should be on on the radar or another guy who's on your list of like, maybe this dude now plays.
0: Isaac Gifford. That's my guy. You can't steal my guy. I can't steal your guy. I was going to use that guy. I I I was going to try to think that I had
1: some insider information and I was like, (laughs) Isaac Gifford is one.
0: Did steal and your you guys? stole
1: my moment. I, I apologize. I for stole stealing the your cool moment. podcast intro. Oh, and now you <laughs> over here stealing my moment.
0: I, I, sorry, I, <laughs>
1: Isaac Gifford is definitely a guy. I, why okay, would okay, you so, say?
0: Hold on, I'm going to turn around. Why would you say that Isaac Gifford would be a guy?
1: Well, I was going to say special teams, <laughs> Okay. but I was just about to ask you: Do you think special teams as like a special teams ace, or do you think that he actually has some has some has a chance to play defensively? And then we could get into this entirely separate conversation because you. As you know, I talked about it on a previous podcast, I've written about it before, I'm incredibly fascinated to see what they do with the defensive backs, because their secondary is just loaded with dudes. So many guys. <laughs> um, and Isaac Gifford is a safety, he's he's yeah. not his brother, he's not an outside linebacker, so there's an uphill climb to try to get on the field.
0: I think that it helps him become a special teams ace, and there is nothing wrong with that. Um I think that could be awesome for him.
1: I think that's where they're going to use the bulk of these young.
0: I think that players. that could be really good. That would be because now you don't have to worry about oh, am I only um, am I using four games to have him run down on kicks, or am I burning a red shirt to have him run down on kicks? That can be your act. Your role on the team is to help us shore up an area that we has cost us games over the last couple of years. Yeah, he can. Uh, <laughs> I like, think that's. Like, I think that's pretty Eli cool. Eli
1: Sullivan was an underrated departure just from a special team standpoint because yeah. he was their special teams player of the year a season ago yeah. um and he has he's since left the team like maybe a guy like blaze maybe a guy like tame and Lineham? i um, feel
0: like i can never determine between line and delancey i feel like one of those guys is going to play Maybe both, maybe but both I feel like yeah, maybe both. Doesn't matter, um, and this could be where you
1: and like th- this is this is the the Rutledge component where they're just placing, which is is weird because he's an, an he's an analyst and not a f- assistant yeah, coach, but they are placing a lot of emphasis on special teams. They want guys who play regular roles with the defense to embrace special teams. They want guys who have regular roles and even starters to embrace mm-hmm. special teams. And if you get those guys, like Jojo Doman had the comment where he's like, I'll play first down, I'll play second down, I'll play third down, I'll play special teams. Like if you get those guys to do it, then you can get like Quentin Newsome, mm-hmm. who who played a bulk of his snaps, yeah. not snaps, but a bulk of the time spent on the field last year was spent as a special teams guy. Um, if you can get some of those, those younger defensive backs, maybe some young wide receivers to be those guys, that clears a lot of stuff up. Maybe you don't have to use Wando Robinson as a kick returner. Maybe. Do you think they want to use Wando Robinson as a return man?
0: That's a great question. Because I think they have a couple other guys, Alante Brown, we'll Alante Brown who, who we didn't yeah. talk about, but it, because mo- as a freshman that will play mostly because we, uh, he's going to play, right? <laughs> like either way, I think that regardless of what the rule had been, um, he's a guy that has impressed a lot. Um, Alante Brown that will play, um, but now they have more options to go back there and return kicks. The, the thing is, to me, is that I just feel like you. I would struggle as a coach with I want to get Wandale Robinson with his hands on the football to see what he can do and help us win. But at the same time, I don't want to use him too much. But maybe if we're using him in the return game versus carries, I would take that trade off. Right. So maybe I would still probably use him in the return game. Kickoffs. But, but remember, kickoffs are the most dangerous
1: play in football. And I believe that all kickoffs should be out loud, outlawed. Outlawed. Oh, do you remember this? I do remember Completely that. Now, now that you is, said that, no yeah. kicking in football. Yeah, I do remember Zero that. Zero kicking
0: no, in no football. Go- no kicking. None. <laughs> no. No. Uh, oh, maybe. on
1: that topic, we got we got video of Connor Culp hitting a field goal.
0: <laughs> we do, and we keep getting the the footage of him. Okay, but that actually, They're I'm glad you said that. As the kicker. Yes, they are. But okay, <laughs> go with me here though. <laughs> the footage that you're seeing of Connor Culp kicking, of is it Cherney? Is how you actually pronounce it. That's right. Churney, Daniel Churney doing cool punts. Right. And then Rutledge being on Twitter, talking a lot about special teams, sharing stuff. Could that be a sign of like a shift of them really paying attention to the details of special teams and making it important? Because if you make it important, if you also throw in what you were saying about JoJo and how he said he'll play special teams. I'm sure if you ask like Cam Taylor, like he would say the same thing. Like it, it might feel like guys are actually paying more attention to that detail of the game, which I think further. can be good.
1: <laughs> Let me take it a step further. If they're paying attention to the details of special teams, then they're paying attention to all the little details.
0: Possibly. Right. Possibly. Which I still would maintain. Like, a- talking
1: about a real turnaround here? Are we talking about a six and two football team here.
0: I don't. I'm not going there they're yet. They're
1: paying attention. Come on, give me a give me a win loss. No, just drop that on me. We I got mean, 20 no. days. We got 20 days till the season starts. I got 19 days
0: to, to stall that. <laughs> <laughs> they're no. paying attention, to but special I teams. do like they're that. I like teams.
1: That. They're paying attention to the details. You're paying attention to the details elsewhere, right?
0: You had how many one score losses <laughs> they had over the last two years? Too many. Yeah. Though that those things end up being the difference in that, but I am not giving you a prediction. No, no, <laughs> I got nineteen days, maybe eighteen. I do appreciate Matt Lubick's line where he said, um,
1: "Where was it at? At the end of the day, football is about blocking and tackling. It's your wide receiver coach. I love it. That's pretty love cool from it. a wide receiver coach. in the veins yeah. to get your wide receiver coach to say that they, I, I like on the defensive side of the ball." I can't wait to see what they do with the secondary. On the offensive side of the ball, the wide receivers are just constantly where my brain is at. I'm just constantly fixated on... Who's going to be where? Who's going to be doing what? I know what Wandale can do. I know. Which is why he never
0: comes up anymore, by just, the way. He didn't really come up yeah. during any of this this week. Everybody's, everybody's, it's been really interesting in that way. Everybody's but yeah, excited just,
1: about him, but we're not asking about him, yeah. which is great. It, great for him because he doesn't have to do any media. Yeah, right. He can
0: just chill for a minute. <laughs> Hang out. Until and the season starts. Focus
1: on making his new album and <laughs> wow. dropping some beats.
0: But um, you know who we didn't talk about real quick? And I don't want to move on before we say this. Speaking of wide receivers, we did not talk about Xavier Betts. who was a guy who was not asked about not directly. No, he was, was he mentioned as a guy who, no, no, he wasn't. Um, but I think that that's a guy that when the, because of the physical talent is just there and the size is there. Um, when the light comes on for him, you're going to be like, Oh, (laughs) there's that guy. Um, and that's a guy too, though, that I wonder if they can find a role for to even just to say, Hey, you're part of a special package. Um, where we just throw you a tunnel screen or something a couple of times a game and then you're not worrying about we're throwing him out there for three plays and he is burning a red shirt for that that could be really valuable for him as well
1: and i always try to make sure that when i'm thinking about the wideouts when i'm thinking about the the variance that they have the positional flexibility that they have now that they haven't had before i always try to ground myself and be like well those guys have to prove it Mm -hmm. those guys are young this was a a tough off season, a stop and start off season, a really choppy off season. It it's not going to come right away. If Omar Manning is dealing with nagging injuries, that might that throws another wrench into things. Um, it, it, but then you get comments from like Travis Fisher, where he says six, seven, eight guys now that we have to worry about in practice, as opposed to a year ago where there was two. Mm-hmm. And since Frost has been here, it's really been through misuse, through injuries, through just guys not stepping up, whatever. I think it's a combination of the three. Yeah, They've had two wide receivers that you've had to worry about. You had Stanley Morgan and J.D. Spielman in 2018, and then you had J.D. Spielman and Wanda Robinson in 2019. And just in terms of wide receivers, you didn't have to worry about anybody else because I think defenses would live with giving up a 19-yard catch to Mike Williams if that was the only time he touched the ball in the game. Right. Um, Do you buy Fisher's – comments? Do you think it's coach speak? Where, where are you at with some of the stuff that we heard about wide receivers? Lubick feels good about them. Travis Fisher says there's a lot of them. Elante Brown is a guy who can't apparently be catched if he's running in the open field, according to Jack Stoll. Uh, do you want to kind of ground yourself a little bit, or are you feeling good about what you've heard from the wideouts?
0: I feel good about what I've heard about the wideouts, in part because I feel like I- the thing that we just haven't seen thus far with this offense and through the, what you mentioned, the combination of all of those things, is that can you picture like when you would watch UCF or when you used to watch Oregon, guys would be running open and the quarterback would find them quickly right? It didn't matter which guy it was, if it was the number one wide receiver, if it was number four wide receiver, it would happen. That has not been the case here. And I think that that's because there hasn't been a comfort level with the scheme, but also the processing by the quarterback has been off at times, the the confidence of the quarterback has been off at times, the protection has been off at times. So if you start to get some of those other things ironed out, and you're just getting better wide receiver play in general, I don't think that they have to make as big of a leap to then have really good play on the outside so yes I am buying it because I don't think that they have to make a huge leap to then have bigger production because as long as they are running the scheme as effectively as it can be run or close to as effectively as it can be run then I think the scheme will also help to get guys open
1: football's back man
0: ah, we're talking about scheme
1: Three weeks. three weeks away from football Three weeks away from Nebraska football. And only four days away from FIFA 21. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Anything else you want to talk about? Anything that we need to hit on that that hasn't been discussed so far?
0: I can't think of anything. No?
1: There's been a lot. Yeah, there's been a lot. of informational overload. I'm going to have to go back through some things this weekend and listen to some stuff. It's nice to be in this...
0: Yeah, and that's even before be we talk though. to Frost. Like when people listen to this, Frost would have already talked, but yeah. like we haven't talked to him yet. So yeah. there'll be even more that comes out from that. Even more. It's
1: great. Great time in college football. I just hope that it continues and I hope that everybody stays safe. Greg, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for sitting um, in in this non studio office space with without producer Pat.
0: It, it's fine. Without Sasha, I'm thanks not for a, being back in the OG setup, man. I appreciate you having me. I'm not a full diva yet. I'm not. I'm not completely acclimated to the new studio. You are yet. a Laker
1: fan, though, so it kind of comes with the territory. You guys are all divas.
0: I'll, I'll own that. Okay.
1: I mean, you are. You're wearing yellow. I don't know anybody else that wears yellow. This <laughs> championship. It's also yellow. a gross yellow.
0: Is it? Is it? Are we just gonna like a totally like slander yeah. me It's right a now. gross okay. yellow.
1: All right. It's it's the kind of yellow that like people around here don't like well get over it
0: i, I mean I'm just saying, it's not man, that it's yellow not
1: good yellow it's not a good yellow should have been purple and it did the, the ball is definitely gold it's a finals hoodie yeah.
0: i'm gonna have to lakers I, in four <laughs> lakers in three
1: baby which is dumb because i said before the game started i told you it could be could be lakers in six could be heat in five
0: I actually said that. You did say that. I took a screenshot. <laughs> are you going to throw that back in my face? No, I'm not they just lost joking. Two starters did, uh, yeah, <laughs> in the we, first We're, game. we're down to starter two, so I'm not. <laughs>
1: okay, don't be comparing Avery Bradley to Bam Adebayo. We I, had this conversation before. Don't do it. I
0: just not say the, same. It. not the same. facts are not the same.
1: Facts are. I, I mean, sure, facts are facts. They're missing two yeah. starters, and you're missing one starter. Sure, yeah. facts are facts. They're missing their second best player. And their third best player. I mean, You're
0: missing your <laughs> third best guard? <laughs> it's because Rob Polinka should have been executive of the year is Alex, what that sounds oh like to me. Gosh, No, he should
1: not have been executive of the year. Sam Presti absolutely robbed the LA Clippers blind. He did. Completely robbed
0: them. But what about when Polinka signed Dwight Howard off the scrap heap?
1: He doesn't get credit for that. Why? Dwight Howard gets credit for that.
0: What about the magical trade that he pulled off for Anthony Davis?
1: I mean, sure, give him credit for that. We stole like 10 draft picks from the Clippers, and in exchange gave them way off pee, <laughs> bricking sides of backboards out here, Love blowing me. 3-1 leads in the oh. second round. Man. It's not It's not a competition. That's fine. Sam Presti deserved executive of the year He's, over Rob Polinka. He
0: deserved runner-up.
1: No. Got no. An executive doesn't get credit for a guy turning around his career in-season. Not for signing that player. He just signed the player because he wanted a big. He didn't foresee Dwight Howard having a resurgent season and completely shutting down Nikola Jokic in the playoffs. He didn't see that. Dwight Howard gets the credit for that.
0: How do you know? You can't. You've heard Rob Blinka talk. He delivers, <laughs> he delivers beautiful prose. You know he does. I have heard Rob play like a talk. <laughs> That's
1: how I know.
0: <laughs> That's great. Okay. All right. Sure. <laughs> That's fine. Lakers in three. Oh, man.
1: Uh, we'll be back next week with another podcast. Greg may or may not be on in the near future after I've completely slandered his Lakers, <laughs> his color scheme, and his hoodie. Um, thank you for coming on. Thank you. We'll be back next week. Listen to all the Hale Varsity media um, I don't know what the YouTube page is but I'll link it in the description on our website for this podcast episode go listen to all the other podcasts like I said in the beginning listen to Aaron and Sasha's Mind Drone podcast Jay Moore's More to It podcast Greg has one coming with a special guest I won't, well not guest with a special co-host that I will allow him to reveal when the time is right it's good, listen to it even though I've we'll only listened to 30 seconds it's coming, it's coming and keep reading hillvarsity.com thanks guys